0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This week on the Chicago Bears Review. As we continue our journey through the NFC East, we make our next stop in the Big Apple and take stock at what's ahead with the new head coach and the big free agent spending of the New York Giants. Did the Giants make all the right moves, or are they doomed to keep failing? Chris Schwartz from FanSide it's G-Man HQ, joins us for the NFC preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. We have reached the peak of the mountain and are now headed downhill as we have reached and surpassed the halfway point of our 14-show preview of our beloved Chicago Bears 2016 season. What's going on, everybody? Larity back for part two of the NFC East preview, this time talking about the G-Men in the New York Giants, uh, a team that's had a rough couple of seasons uh, when I was doing my research on them said that it was the the most injured team in the NFL over the last three seasons and it would make sense the Giants have had losing losing records all three years uh, we have Chris Chris Schwartz from GmanHQ.com on Fansited, uh that site that is affiliated with Sports Illustrated uh, he's a contributor on there and uh, we have him on the show. To talk about uh, the G-men and that big free agent spending uh, that that I mentioned in the opener, you know, wanting to know how much cap space did the Giants actually have, because the talk going into free agency was the Jags, the Raiders, and the Bears—those top three teams with the most cap space to spend. Uh, we asked Chris about that, and again, I have to apologize. I bring it up with just about everybody now, but. My crusade against the color rush uniforms. Chris and I talk about the the color rush uniforms and our opinions of that, and um, you know, th- because the, uh, the apparently the Giants, who are known as the Big Blue, uh, are wearing all red in their in their uh, in their color rush game uh, this year. So we talk a bit. Uh, about that and um, you know just overall a good conversation with Chris look forward to having him back uh, during the regular season uh, when the Giants and the Bears play each other I'm pretty sure it's week 11 uh, this year so on the downslope of the year past the midway point you should definitely know who we have on our squads and what the future holds for the remainder of the season by the time we get to have him uh, back on the show again so episode number eight of 14, so as I said, you know, we, we reached the top of the mountain with the Cowboys. Now we're, we're over the top and headed back downhill. And at the bottom of the hill is the Wonderland that is the 2016 regular season. It's getting closer all the time. Whenever I look on, uh, on Twitter or Facebook, uh, the numbers and the jersey numbers of the players, uh, you know, how many days until kickoff gets smaller and smaller all the time. So I think we're still in the 80s right now. But uh, it's getting closer and closer, and uh, you know, I, I for one, I have always hated summer. Uh, even even though it was awesome as far as no school and all the time to hang out with my friends and going out swimming and stuff like that, I just I've always hated hot weather, not warm weather, hot weather. And of course, I live in the Midwest, where not only do we have heat, but we have humidity, which makes it a thousand times worse. So, you know, I went out to Vegas. Uh, last summer in the dog days in August, and uh, I I found it much more enjoyable to be in a 107 degree desert heat than I did in uh, 85 degree humid weather in the Midwest. I I would much rather deal with with hot than humid any day of the week. So can't wait for summer to be over because I hate the temperatures. And when summer's over, football starts and that's just when I'm – that's heaven on earth uh, for me. So uh, looking forward to that. And, um, you know, this, this marks the halfway point in the NFC East. Uh, to wrap up the division, we're going to have Brandon Gouton from uh, Bleeding Green uh, on SB Nation for the Eagles and then our good friend from last season, Mike Carrar from Hogshaven, to close out with last year's division winner in the Washington Redskins. Then we move on to the NFC North with our friends Chris Gates – uh, Evan Western and Jeremy Reisman uh, before finishing off with our beloved Chicago Bears in show number fourteen. So it's all happening. It's all happening quickly, and it will all be here before you know it. So I mean, by the time we get done with these shows, I think maybe we'll have a week or two between the last show and the start of uh, training camp, and then we go. We'll have a little bit of a hiatus between the Bears uh, preview and um the first preseason game cuz that's when I'll come back we'll review the preseason any cuts any roster moves so on and so forth and then you know we'll be full steam ahead pretty much from that point on so uh looking forward to uh to wrapping up this summer season and getting on to the football that counts uh definitely looking forward uh to that so um no real news and notes uh for the bears uh since we last spoke uh you know, when we had Tom Ryle on for the Cowboys, nothing of note happening uh, since, uh, since Monday or Tuesday uh, when the show was released. So without further ado, let's just go ahead and dive right in with our new friend Chris Schwartz from GMenHQ.com on Fansided talking about the 2016 New York Giants. And as we move along in our preview of the NFC East, we come along the boys in blue of the New York Giants. And to help us with our preview of the New York Giants, we bring in from G-Man HQ on Fansided.com. We have Chris Schwartz. Chris, how are we doing today? Not too
1: bad. Thanks for having me.
0: Not a problem. Um, you know, and as we do with with all of our new guests that we have on the show, we like to get to know you a little bit. So, kind of want to know how long have you been? Uh, how long have you been a Giants fan? Is this a lifelong thing?
1: Oh, lifelong. Yeah, really got into it uh, when the Giants had the fourth pick in the draft and uh, and they traded up to Eli Manning.
0: All right. So, are you are you native to New York City or?
1: I live in New York City now, and I grew up in New Jersey.
0: New Jersey, so okay.
1: Been, uh, since day one, yeah.
0: All right. And how long have you been with G-Man HQ? Uh,
1: a little over a year now. Uh been writing basically almost every day for them uh, for the past eight, nine months, and uh joined about a year ago.
0: Okay, great. And I'm sure I probably know the answer to this, considering when you became a fan, but your favorite moment <laughs> as a Giants fan?
1: Well, I was... Uh, I was in the city uh, during their first Super Bowl win, and I was at this little Mexican bar uh, all the way on the east side uh, as they won their first Super Bowl in a long time. And uh, four or five of my friends and I walked all the way from the east side into Times Square.
0: This is it, we've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge.
1: and basically partied until like one in the morning that was pretty much my favorite moment of the Giants'
0: so super bowl 42 when they beat the patriots the the undefeated unstoppable patriots right
1: the excellent 18 and 1 patriots right yeah Yeah.
0: (laughs) that was a favorite moment of mine as well actually so (laughs) i've always kind of been an, an underdog kind of guy and uh you know just something about the way the patriots were winning games that year not so much that they were winning but i just remember one game in particular that they, they played against the redskins that year and in mm-hmm. the, in the fourth quarter they had a big lead and tom brady and the offense stayed in and racked up like another 21 points in the fourth quarter to make it that just m- much that much worse going into the into the season and they won games like that all year long they beat up people just because they could and it's like they had no class in doing it And, you know, just stomped their way through the playoffs and then ran into a buzzsaw in in the Super Bowl against the Giants. I thought it was great. I mean, they
1: were an excellent team, but that was absolutely their M.O. the entire season was just, you know, they can rack up points, so they're going to.
0: Yeah. And so, you know, it definitely was, I think, you know, a favorite moment of mine football-wise to watch that team get taken down a peg, um, you know, in the biggest game ever that basically would have lamented, cemented their legacy as the greatest of all time because, you know, they were undefeated and, and all that kind of stuff, especially in today's NFL, and for them to lose the way they did uh, in that game. For the greatest offense of all time to only score, you know, 14 points and lose yeah. the Super Bowl was, was pretty great.
1: And the Giants the Giants were a 9-7 and team that year. I mean, they just they, – it was the, the classic tale of just having a good defense and getting hot at the right time.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean you could kind of see the writing in the wall, that week seventeen matchup that they had on national T V mm-hmm. that the Giants could definitely take a punch from the Patriots and uh and and deliver one back and then they meet up again in the Super Bowl and it's like, well, this game could be interesting and it certainly was.
1: And and the road the road there, the road to the Super Bowl wasn't exactly easy. I mean it was there was an overtime game in the in the frigid cold and Green Bay. Yeah. I mean, it was I, I have that D V D and I I won't lie, I've worn it out a few times since then. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> I bet I bet, so unfortunately, we're not here to talk about two thousand and seven. We're here to talk <laughs> about two thousand and fifteen and you so know long ago <laughs> yes, and um the whole division in in the division as a whole, whether it be injuries or mostly injuries for for all four teams, actually, but you know it, the basically the division was kind of crumbling around itself last year so it was ripe for the taking if you put together any kind of semblance of a decent season you're going to run away with this thing and the Giants about midway through the season seemed like they were doing that they started off five and four but then the bottom fell out and they finished one and six to you know to go six and ten what happened in that second half of the season that it all just kind of came crashing down there at the end
1: yeah I mean Tony Romo going down was was basically a gift for the Giants I mean that that division was was wide open and they had arguably the most, I mean, the most talented squad. Um, And, you know, they lost five games when they had a lead with two minutes or less on the clock. And that's kind of, i mean, that's a little bit of, uh, of a microcosm for the whole season, you know, in the last six weeks or so, it seemed like you could pick, if if you could just pick up a game here or there, you'd kind of lock in the division. Yeah. Um, And, they just weren't able to do that. There was no, no close in the team. Um, You know, there was a little, there were injuries along the offensive line and the defense was spotted injuries sort of all over. Um, But I mean, basically when you have the worst pass defense in the league and, and you have the lead in the game and you know, that like when you know the passes are coming and you can't stop it, I mean, it's, it's a recipe for disaster.
0: So, t- tell me real quick what what was the story with with the defense? I mean, the 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 second coming of of Steve Spagnuolo uh, gave you the worst defense <laughs> in the history of the NFL last year, or at least the thirty second ranked mm-hmm. defense in in the NFL uh, a year ago. You know, I was like, I, I was just reading up on on uh, you know brushing up before we before we started talking. It's like. You know, the secondary was a mess, couldn't get a pass rush, the linebackers were terrible in coverage. <laughs> I mean, that all kind of adds up, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's that's the wrestling for the worst defense in the history of the NFL for the most part. I mean, they were they were 30th in sacks. I mean, obviously, no G Pierre Paul for the first half of the season. And, and we even when you get him back, he was largely ineffective. Although, I mean, you could argue that, that his presence on the line, Robert Ayers had, I think, seven or eight sacks in the second half of the season. Right. Um. But I mean, it, it, it's the secondary. Uh, the safety problems are 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 a huge part of that issue. Um, you know, you started Landon Collins, who had a spotty uh, spotty rookie season, um, and then it was just sort of a rotating door of people a- alongside him. Um, and when you can't secure that that back level, um, it's tough to it's tough to limit anybody's passing offense. Really, I mean, and they had. So, I mean, they allowed nearly 300 yards a game passing. I mean, it's pretty much the worst in the NFL. So,
0: Wow. Yeah, I didn't know it was that high. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, so where was the – I mean, was there a shortfall on the offensive side? I mean, they finished top ten overall in the league, and I think the only reason that Ben McAdoo is the head coach or was promoted to head coach is because statistically Eli had his best season ever.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, the Eli to Odell – Combination basically held down the offense. Um, I, I would say, I mean, there's certainly shortcomings. The running game was was largely ineffective. You know, they started off with a, a three-man rotation, then added a fourth man to that rotation. Uh, it took them a while before they could get even 100 yards rushing in a game. Uh, I think it was week five until they got that. Um, and even even with a four-man rotation, uh, it, it was largely ineffective got to the end of the season and they started focusing on Rashad Jennings and it got better, but it was just far too late at that point. Um, Um, I think, I think the big shortcoming is the red zone offense. Uh, They ranked 29th in converting TDs in the red zone. Um, And a large, a large part of that is, you know, when you get down to the 10 and you want someone to rush it for six, they, they just didn't have a guy to do it. And that will carry along into twenty sixteen. They still I mean it's basically the same running backs going into to twenty sixteen.
0: Yeah, I noticed that. Aside from from signing Bobby Rainey, it pretty much is the, the same running back tandem that you had going into to twenty fifteen. Now as as a Bears fan, I can definitely empathize with your red zone problems because the Bears mm-hmm. the Bears were world beaters from the twenty to the twenty. But then you get into Mm -hmm. the the 20 in the red zone and we didn't have the same problem as far as running because we had Matt Forte, we had Jeremy Langford. So running the ball wasn't exactly the problem. It was it was throwing the ball because Alshon Jeffrey was unhealthy for the majority of the season. Martellus Bennett was in and out of the lineup. So we didn't really have a red zone threat in the passing game so they would just load up on the the run game and you know we went from gashing them for five and six yards in the middle of the field we started getting stuffed out there and then had no reprieve to throw the ball uh in the other way so we can as bear fans can definitely empathize with your yeah. problems in the uh in the red zone so the season comes to a close it's the second straight six and ten season third losing season in a row, only one winning season since winning Super Bowl forty-six a few years back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was kind of rumored that it was going to happen. Tom Coughlin was let go. Your thoughts on Tom Coughlin being let go and that he was replaced by his offensive coordinator? Well, I think I think it was
1: basically just time for Tom Coughlin. Right. I mean, it, it's it's a short leash in the NFL as a whole, and in New York, it becomes even shorter. I guess. Sure, Um, And, and, you know, he had he had a couple in the beginning of the season, a couple of those those collapses were because of time management. And a lot of people pointed fingers right at Tom Coffin for that. Um, And, you know, Ben McAdoo was sort of the obvious choice. Um, I think the thought process inside the organization was he's going to be head coaching somewhere in two years or even next year if. If we don't lock him up, then he's going to be out of our, out of our organization. And, you know, he sort of revamped the offense and, and rebooted Eli Manning's career. Um, and I think it was too important to the end of Manning's career to let him go elsewhere. Um, I mean, the other in-house option was Steve Spagnuolo. And, you know, he, he's got a, a record that's hard to defend as a head coach with the Rams and and even as a defensive coordinator, it's kind of hard to defend and, and hand him to the keys to the organization. So I don't think that was that was what Jerry Reese wanted to really do with that.
0: Because he also had a historically bad year with the Saints that one year, too, yep. where they were one of the worst defenses ever. And, I mean, it seems like his defensive scheme works if he has the horses to pull it off because right. in 2007 he absolutely did. You know, and they you know went out there in the pass rush with with Strahan and uh, Justin Tuck and all those guys getting after Tom Brady and winning a Super Bowl, but that that year in in uh, in New Orleans they didn't have the pass rush or the you know the linebackers and, and stuff like that and turned out one of the worst defenses ever. And now he returns to the Giants, same scenario as in New Orleans, and pretty much duplicates the results and makes them worse.
1: That's why that's why a lot a lot of Giants fans have. Just about no faith in Jerry Reese at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was it was sort of his head on the chopping block this year, um, and it, it it's sort of amazing he kept his job. Um, and now he's got basically this season to to right the ship, or he's out again. And and you can you know look through a lot of the off season spending as to you know. Or that's partially the reason why he made all that offseason spending because he knows he's he's out if the if the ship doesn't turn.
0: Well, let's talk about that real quick. I I um was wondering about that because um, going into free agency, the teams that were talked about the most were my Bears, the Jaguars, and the Raiders, and that's because they had an astronomical amount. Of cap space. Now the Giants weren't on that very short list, but in the end, I believe it was the Giants that did the most spending. So, how much cap room did they actually have going into 2015, 16? Sorry, the
1: Giants. The Giants actually had, I think, either the third or the fourth most. They had over over 56 million in cap
0: space. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um,
1: So they they had they had the room to spend. Um, You know, in the past, I guess, three to four years, you know, they've changed offensive coordinators. Defensive coordinator brought back Signolo, and now they just fired Tom Coughlin. And I think it's that was just, you know, the the, the last guy left to fire is Jerry Reese. And so he's going to use every inch of that cap space uh, in this offseason.
0: Now, I read a story uh, during the offseason this year that if the Giants had decided to spend the money a year earlier, instead of giving that insane contract to Olivier Vernon they could have landed in and Sue, and instead of giving that money to the high risk high reward Janoris Jenkins they could have signed Darrell Revis for the same money not saying that it would have maybe they would have been able to do it but for the money that they spent on Vernon and Jenkins a year ago could have gotten you Sue and Darrell Revis do you have any thoughts on the possibility of those guys <laughs> being on the team instead that would have probably been a wiser investment
1: now that you say that um, you know, Vernon Vernon had a great three-quarters of the season, half season, um, and that's what sort of earned him that money. And, and, you know, they're they're banking on the rest of his career being like that. Um, and Jen- Jenkins is a streaky guy at best. Um, I, I don't disagree with going out and signing Vernon Jenkins and, and Damon Harrison um, just because this is the year that, Jerry Reese needed to do it, um, and those are the guys out there. But when you put it in terms of getting Dominican Sue and Darrell Revis, yeah, that would that's a better use of that money. Yeah,
0: because talk about opening things up for Robert Ayers even before JPP comes back. If Domenican Sue is chewing up the middle of the field and taking up mm-hmm. extra blockers because he has to, leaving Robert Ayers one-on-one with somebody around the edge, he may have been more productive more early on, and that trickles down in the defense then the secondary has more time to cover and you know so on and so forth so when I when I read that I don't remember where it was that I read it but it was someplace before the draft that I read that if you know just after the Giants spent all that money then it was like well if they had spent it a year earlier the same money that they give to Vernon would have signed in Sue the same money that they gave the Jenkins would have gotten them Darrell Revis and was like well that's a lot different of a Giants team going into 2015. And, you know, maybe we're not talking about Tom Coughlin being fired and the worst defense in history if those two guys are on the team.
1: Yeah, and so you're right about that. I mean, <laughs> it, 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 taking, you know, t- the last place defense, I mean, even if you're middle of the road, yeah. uh, we're certainly talking about a playoff team and. I, especially last year, you're certainly talking about a playoff team. I mean, no, no guarantees on how, how deep they go, but, uh, yeah, that would have been, that would have been a, quite a different 2015 than uh, the one that Giants fans suffered through.
0: Yeah, you're, what you just said, that, that, that exact phrasing is what I was saying in 2013, the first year that Mark Tressman was head coach. When he comes in, he immediately reignites the offense, but our defense went from being top five to number 30. Uh, in the league and it was just like this was a year that if even if we had a middle-of-the-road defense instead of being Uh eight and eight we would have been 10 and six 11 and five and we make the playoffs and who knows what happens then kind of thing especially with that offense but you know because the defense was so terrible you know our defense our offense had to score 35 40 points a game to to win that's just not possible week in and week out uh, in the NFL which you guys learned last year you lost the game 52 to 49 in the in new orleans last year i mean how insane was that game
1: yeah i mean that was that was just i mean that was that was madden madden type playing I yeah mean, that's it was, it was, that's
0: exactly what it was
1: you know it was eli manning threw six six tds i think it was his career high and yeah. they still come away with the loss i mean it's it was a mess to watch i mean that's that's not any kind of football that anybody wants to watch i mean that's that's video game stuff
0: yeah, I mean that's that's like lower level college stuff where it's just <laughs> spread offense, spread versus spread yep. offense, and whoever has the ball last is gonna win kind of thing. But that's not what you want to see in yep. the NFL. So um, yeah, that that game was, was like something like close to a thousand yards, if not more, but passing between the two quarterbacks, mm-hmm. and yeah, it was just just an insane game when you look at the uh, the stats of it. Now, before we move into the draft, one one more question I had about. Um, the McAdoo uh, hiring. You know, for the most part he kept the same coaching staff as last year. Spagnolo stays, same special teams mm-hmm. coordinator. Um, was the is the offensive coordinator in house promotion? Or did they bring in somebody yeah. from the outside for that? Promote the quarterback's code. Okay. So so basically you're you know, of the the, 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 the coaching staff that was there the only thing that was moved is that McAdoo takes a step from offensive coordinator to head coach, and you pretty much got everybody else below him. So, what does this? What is this staff going to be able to do that the Giants couldn't or wouldn't do last year? You know, honestly, I don't
1: think that much changes from the coaching side. Um, okay, you know, they're very much disciples of, of Tom Coughlin, and everyone reveres Tom Coughlin as, as a you know Hall of Fame coach and 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 the like. Um, which is what, I mean, which is why I think the, the onus is on Jerry Reese. I mean, it, it, the, the problem last year was the roster that was put in front of these coaches. And, and like you said, Steve Spagnuolo can be, he can be a decent defensive coordinator if you give him some players to work with. Right. Um, and I think he was constantly held back from what he wanted to do because the, the depth and the strength wasn't there on the roster. Um, so I, I mean, I think it's largely going to be the same, um, but now Spagnuolo's got a few more people to work with. Um, the offense is going to be largely the same, but that you know, not a lot needs to change there when you have the eighth-ranked offense.
0: Right. So we move on to the draft, and, you know, the things that I heard is, like, there were two players that the Giants were targeting going into the draft. One was Jack Conklin uh, to kind of shore up the offensive line, and mm-hmm. the other was Leonard Floyd um, to, to help out with your – linebacker or even your pass rush uh, situation I don't know what plans the Giants had for him but unfortunately the Titans uh, move from 15 up to 8 they take Conklin the Bears jump from 11 to 9 to take Floyd just in front of the Giants so you, you end up picking Eli Apple the corner uh, from Ohio State at number 10 now was he the number three choice was he the best player available for them or was he a need pick since they had trouble with the secondary last year and they needed a corner well, he was
1: the best player on the on the board, beyond the guys with issues. That was the that was a direct quote from Jerry Reid.
0: So, so Jeremy Laramie Tunzel was a consideration had he not been, you know, on camera smoking weed with a gas mask <laughs> or something like that.
1: I, I think I think absolutely. Without that video coming out before the like you know minutes before the draft, uh, they would have been relieved to see Tunzel at ten.
0: They would have sort right. would have jumped
1: at it, um, but again, with with Jerry Reese's job on the line, I think that's the type of, the type of pick that he would have a tough time defending. I mean, now looking back, it's nothing you know it's sort of without issue since then, right? Um, but you know, if if he somehow gets suspended or if another video surfaces a week later, that's a tough pick to defend. Um, the sec- I mean, Eli Apple was. It, it is a need pick. Um, as they've been preaching since, since they picked them, if you don't have three corners, mo- I mean, most offenses are running three wide receivers. If you don't have three corners, uh, then you have a, then that's a need. Um, and, right. the, and the giants really only had two. So it was, it was a need pick. Um, but I think the tonsil pick would have made, made a lot more sense. I think honestly, after Conklin and Floyd were gone, uh, I was begging to trade back, uh, and they got a, they got an offer from the Jets that wasn't good enough to trade back in the draft. Um, but I think largely that was a need pick, but they could have done a lot more there.
0: Sure, sure. But I, I do hear that, that signs from OTAs and minicamp have been positive for Eli Apple so far.
1: Sure. Um, the, the problem is that of the three top corners on the roster, no one plays in the slot. Right. Eli okay. Apple never really played in the slot. Jenkins never really played in the slot. They're all sort of taking turns, um, but it's, you know, it's learning, sort of learning a new position when you get in the NFL. Um, sure. But, but yeah, he, he's gone up against uh, Odell Beckham Jr. A lot in practice and, and the reports are, are fairly good. Um, but figuring out which, which guy is going to step in there and play is, is something they still have to figure out.
0: So, which other rookie, drafted or undrafted, besides Eli Apple, are the Giants looking to have an impact this year?
1: I mean, Sterling Shepard, who he got in the second round, has been just widely heralded. Um, They call him, you know, Victor Cruz-like. And if they can't get anything out of Victor Cruz, he will sort of step into that role. If Victor Cruz comes back and he's even moderately healthy – uh, Shepard should be, Shepard should be in the slot, um, and he's he's apparently been looking great at OTAs as well. Um, that's you know he, he's been floated as rookie of the year. Uh, I don't I don't know if I necessarily buy that, but he should be able to contribute immediately.
0: So you brought it up. What what happened with Victor Cruz last year? I mean I know he had that in that knee injury uh, in 2014. Um, on Sunday Night Football, I remember watching it when it happened and, and everything. But what happened in 2015? I mean, I heard it was a calf injury. Did he tear it off the bone? I mean, what what exactly happened <laughs> with that calf injury last year?
1: It, it was the type of thing where it, you know I remember preseason. You know, right around this time, it was you know I'm I'm healthy, but we're keeping him on a pitch count. It's the same thing that's happening this year. He keeps claiming that he's healthy, and then everyone's waiting for him to get on the field again and then he gets out and gets out and practice and i remember early in the season he had a little bit of a pull and then it was originally uh week six that he was going to target and come back and then he had another pull in his calf again week six six and he's out for the season um but yeah he hasn't he hasn't seen the field since october 2014 so i don't think i think every giants fan is like yeah i'll believe it when i see it when he says he's 100 percent healthy right now
0: Talk about a fall from grace. This guy was the apple of New York there for a while, Mm -hmm. even before Odell Beckham came in and stole the spotlight from him. But this guy, I mean, it was what a heartbreak it was to lose him in the middle of 2014 like that. And then, I mean, because Odell Beckham wasn't even healthy at that point. Odell Beckham...
1: Odell Beckham and Victor Cruz have been on the field together for six total quarters, and it, I mean it's that kind of thing. And when you think about how good Victor Cruz was, and how Victor or how good Odell Beckham Jr. is, and if they could only stay on the field together, uh, who knows? But but now, I mean, there's no guarantees on what Victor Cruz could even do, even if he gets back.
0: Yeah, I mean, everything that I've been reading, it's it really has been "I'll believe it when I see it" type attitude uh, towards Victor Cruz and him making it back or how healthy will he be if he does play, can he stay healthy and, and all that kind of stuff. When, you know, like I said, two years ago at this time, it was like, man, aren't we lucky to have the best wide receiver in the NFC East right now, if not the entire NFL in uh, NFL in in Victor Cruz and um, that knee injury just kind of derailed everything. And
1: I think Sterling Shepard is sort of Victor Cruz insurance. Um, Whether he's with the team or not this year, um, going forward, who knows if Victor Cruz is, is even in their plans. Um, but Sterling Shepard is a guy sort of built in the mold of Victor Cruz and, uh, and he's, he's learning from both of them right now. And, and they're hoping he can step right in those, in those footsteps.
0: Now on the defensive side of the field, uh, you signed Harrison and, um, Vernon to, 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 to increase the output on the, on the front lines. You have uh, Apple and um, Janoris Jenkins. You also have uh, Rogers, uh, Cromartie. So it seems like the front line and the outside at the corner spots are in good shape. But it's the middle of the field that would appear to be the concern as far as linebackers and the safeties. I know you have Landon Collins back there, but whether or not he's mm-hmm. going to be free safety again or move him over to strong, and you know who is going to who is safety partner is going to be back out there. What do you guys have in the middle of the field that you're that you know, you're expecting big things from or need big things from at linebacker and at safety this year. Well, I mean,
1: I feel like Jerry Reese uh his philosophy has been if we can just shore up that front line, then our linebackers we can just sort of plug it plug in anybody. And I don't I don't necessarily agree with that philosophy, but that's that's what he's been going with. Um and it's a lot of the same guys, I mean they they signed uh keenan robinson and Calvin Shepard. i mean guys who are just sort of middle of the road linebackers um which is why the, the prospect of getting miles jack in the draft was was so eye-opening for a lot of giants fans you're like all right finally a guy who can or get a guy who can man the middle of the field um and 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 the linebacking crew is just going to be i think largely average again um not a lot of upgrade in that position, and again, last year was a lot, a lot of injuries to that crew. Um, Stacey is a little bit more interesting. Um, the the guy who, I, I mean, alongside Lynn Collins, who should be playing close to the line, um, is the guy, a rookie Darian Thompson that he took in the third round. Um, he's been taking a lot of the first team reps, and it looks like he is in the lead to start. Um, There's a guy, Mikkel Thompson, a guy, Nat Burgey, neither of whom have much NFL experience, but they've been on the roster. Both of them were lost to the season last year. But Darian Thompson's looking to get a lot of those first-team reps, and he's sort of a ball-hawking kind of safety, which will allow Landon Collins to play a little bit close to the line. Um, But, I mean, I think everyone was hoping they would sweep up an Eric Berry in free agency. I mean, I, I think 30 teams would have taken an Eric Berry. Yeah, the
0: Bears are one of them too. So yeah, that would (laughs) have been a good thing.
1: Uh, But I mean, it's it's you're gonna we're gonna enter the season with either a guy next to Landon Collins with very little NFL experience or a rookie again, Um, which is gonna be I think it's gonna be a tough beginning of the season if you're starting Landon Collins and Darian Thompson.
0: Right. Well, let's take a look at the schedule then, since you're talking about the beginning of the season, and seemingly for about the twentieth year in the row, the Giants are starting the season with the Cowboys. Yeah, can we fix um, that up
1: one of these years? I mean, yeah, that that's. I mean, it basically little, just seems like uh, like
0: the NFL just copies and pastes that whenever they make the schedule. It's the Cowboys and the Giants, whether it be at three in the afternoon in Dallas, seven o'clock at night in uh, you know in New York, or whatever the case may be. The the Giants mm-hmm. and the Cowboys start off the year against each other. At uh, that would be like the Bears playing the Packers every single year to start off the season. Eventually, they would just kind of take the luster off the rivalry.
1: Yep, and pu- and putting the Cowboys first basically guarantees the Giants get a healthy Rom- healthy Tony Romo every year, which is <laughs> not. I mean, especially last year. You know, we 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 chalked up a loss there, and then Tony Romo gets injured a few weeks in, and no one sees him ever since. So,
0: so then. Uh, New Orleans and Washington, then a Monday night game at Minnesota at Green Bay. And then uh, you're going back to London this year, is that correct?
1: Yeah, facing the, uh, the Rams. And the Rams, yeah. Likely to be Jared Goff, yeah.
0: So aside from a couple of Monday night games against Minnesota and Cincinnati, and you have a Thursday nighter at end of the year, not a lot of uh, national TV love for the, uh, for the Giants this year. That's very uncharacteristic of the NFL.
1: Yeah, I don't think they earned it <laughs> uh, over the last four seasons, but uh, you're right they'll they'll force they'll force some national TV exposure on the Giants.
0: Yeah, so hopefully they can uh, flex their way into some games there at the end of the uh, at the end of the season. But uh, you know, for the most part, you got two Monday night games and a and a Thursday nighter, which everybody gets nowadays. a Thursday night mm-hmm. game. Speaking of which. I'm, uh, and, I, and I've asked this to several of my of my guests because I am, as my listeners know, a self-professed uniform snob. So, <laughs> um, uh, you know, I, I do put a lot of credence into the way the uniforms look, and especially the NFL, the best league in, in sports, and, you know, the, the, the way some of those teams are dressed, it makes me sick. What are your thoughts on this whole color rush thing? Because everybody that plays on Thursday this year is wearing a color rush uniform. Yeah, the Giants.
1: Giants get a color rush game. I, I think they, they just released or they leaked the colors for the color rushes, uh, and the Giants are going to be in all red, which is odd. I don't usually associate red with being with the big blue. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting tactic, but I don't really enjoy it. Um, especially the you know the ketchup and mustard game last year. That was oh, awful. God. Uh, and then the red green colorblind game. I thought. Was, right. And being a red green colorblind person myself, uh oh, did so not you enjoy just, that too much. <laughs> so it was
0: like watching TV in the fifties before they had color television for you then, right? A
1: lot. It was a lot of grayscale running around that yeah. field. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't love it, especially when the colors aren't truly. You know, it, it, the Giants wearing red just doesn't seem doesn't seem right to me, especially all red. They can wear the red alternate jerseys every once in a while, but all red doesn't seem right.
0: If, uh, if the, 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 last, like, the, the last picture I saw with the swatches for what colors each team is going to wear hold true, thankfully the Bears are going to wear navy blue from head to toe, but Green Bay has to wear yellow. Because the the Bears play the Packers on, on on Thursday Night Football this year, and it's the the color for Green Bay was yellow, so head to toe yellow for the Packers when when they play the Bears on Thursday Night Football. That's that's going to be awful. Yeah,
1: again, that's that's a uniform I would mock up in when I'm playing Madden or something like that as a joke, not as something I'd want to put on national television.
0: Right. So I mean but that's just uh yeah so I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. The, it looks like they they play the Redskins on Thursday night football so I mean I mean I actually don't even remember seeing that one as far as what colors but if the Giants are going to wear red then are the Skins going to have to wear all yellow that game?
1: That would be another ketchup and mustard game. That would be Yeah. Terrible. <laughs>
0: yeah, that would be uh that would be extremely awful if that's what it actually <laughs> happened because i mean i mean look a thing about all the red if the the giants are going to wear red from head to toe and if the redskins wear the maroon from you know from head to toe i mean it's just yeah you, yeah almost hard to be telling them apart uh yeah, on that one different. but uh, yeah so but you know for the most part was there anything else that kind of jumped out at you you guys have the you have both north divisions this year and in, in the north and the the nfc yeah. north the afc north uh, as your 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 opponent's uh, this year, any game in particular that you're looking forward to or, or anything like that?
1: Uh, I mean, the London game will always be interesting.
0: Right. Um,
1: it's it sort of it, it throws a, a, a wrench in everything. I understand why the NFL does it. Um, but it's pretty fortunate that the Giants are playing. I mean, hopefully it's a it's a rookie quarterback and. And, and it won't be too tough. Um, but, it, you know, if it, if it was a, a meaningful game over there or against a tough opponent, uh, it, o- it always sort of, sort of throws a, a wrench in, in the whole season. Um, so I'll be paying attention to that. I mean, always it's going to be tough facing the Bengals and the Steelers and the Bears in the last couple weeks of the season. Um, those are always interesting games.
0: Now, <laughs> is this a team – in transition, you know, with the new head coach, the, the a bunch of the, the new signings and everything, or, you know, is this a team expecting to make a run at the division this year? I know Jerry Reese probably hopes it's the latter, but, you know, is this a team that's expected to make a run as far as, like, internally? Do they think they have the horses to pull this off this year?
1: I mean, I think as long as they still have Eli Manning and Odell Beckham Jr., they're a team that expects to make the playoffs. Um, whether that's realistic or not, they they expect to. Uh, I think a lot is going to depend on, that, on honestly, if they can make a run of the division, it's going to depend on Dallas. If Tony Romo stays healthy and Dez comes back from his injury 100%, and if Ezekiel Elliott is the rookie of the year, then that's going to be a really difficult task. Um, but I think this is a team that, expects to make a run I mean when you spend 200 plus million in the offseason um, yeah that's not exactly the, the, the mantra for a rebuilding team
0: no definitely uh, definitely not so I mean it's it's you know it's I, I we have the AFC South and the NFC East this year I've, I've already talked to everyone from from the south and it was a division much like the NFC East where really no one had a good year. Last year, I mean, the the text, the Texans and the Redskins were both the division winners, but for the most part, they were early outs. Both of them lost their home games in the wild card round last year. The all all eight teams had a lot of work to do in the off season. The the pretty much everyone in the South seized the opportunity and, and went to work on improving their rosters. Uh, the the Giants seem to be the one team that really went after it as far as like trying to fix some of their their flaws but it's like everyone else the Eagles the Redskins and the Cowboys were were virtually inactive in free agency and aside from the Cowboys making their splashes with Elliott and taking Jalen Smith in the second round no one really made a big splash in the draft I mean obviously the Eagles trading up to get uh Wentz yeah at number two but for the most part the NFC East was very quiet in the off season, which I thought was funny for a division that had so much trouble last year well,
1: I, I know the, I mean the Redskins grab Josh Norman, which is, you know, it makes for entertaining TV when, when he faces off with Odell Beckham Jr. Um, I mean, I know, I know the Redskins people are so high on Kirk Cousins um, and they're thinking, you know, his completion percentage is going to translate for the rest of his career, um, (laughs) which uh, we'll see. Um, But yeah, I mean, you're right. In terms of free agency, it's, it's, the, you can't really make a bigger splash than the Giants made in the offseason. Um, I mean, and rightly so, their defense is the worst ever. So go out and spend spend what you got to spend. Um, but I, I think Dallas is by far their the biggest obstacle in the way of, of getting that division championship again.
0: But it, you know, like I said, it just felt like the Giants were the only team that was really trying. To improve upon uh, 2015, and everybody else is kind of resting on their their laurels a bit. I mean, if we if we rewind back to a year ago at this time, the NFC East looked like a really strong division going in because the Cowboys were 12 and four. They were, a, you know, a, a a replay, an instant replay going against them away from playing in the NFC title game against the Seahawks, where they had beaten the Seahawks earlier in the year. The Eagles were the uncrowned Super Bowl champion going into the regular season after the way that they performed in the preseason last year, and the Giants were getting Victor Cruz back, and Odell Beckham was a rookie sensation. Uh, you know Ben McAdoo's offense in, in year one was was great. Here comes year number two, and, and and everything like that. And then the Redskins were supposed to be the worst team in football, uh, just off the bat, and then. It's basically like they turned the entire division upside down. The Cowboys were supposed to finish first; they finished last. The Redskins were already had the number one pick and were basically just playing out the the stretch because they had to. They end up winning the division. I mean, talk about how crazy the season was for the, for the NFC East for it to end up the way it did. When you look at it going in, it was not supposed to be that way at all.
1: Not even close. Um, I mean the, the genius of Chip Kelly was supposed to shut down every other team in the division. Tony right. Romo was supposed to finally hoist the Super Bowl championship and the Redskins were, were just supposed to be trounced upon by everybody. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, like I said, the, that, that division was, uh, was up for grabs near the end and uh, no one, no one really wanted to, to, I mean, the the Cowboys couldn't reach up and grab it and, the Eagles were playing just awful. Sam Bradford was playing just awful and, and it was, you know, the unlikely savior in Kirk Cousins that got that the division away. I mean no team is, has repeated as division winner, I think, in the last eight years or something like that in the NFC East.
0: Wow, has it been that long? Yep. Wow. I didn't uh I didn't I didn't realize that. It's that's you know, kinda like the NFC South where, you know, for a long time there the division winner went from worst to first like five, six years uh, in a row. It's just not a pattern that jumps out at you that no one in the East has repeated in, in several, uh, in several years. I didn't not, uh, didn't quite realize yep. that one. So yeah, that's, uh, that's the Red, really the Redskins, the
1: Redskins snuck a, snuck a division championship in there with Robert Griffin third too.
0: Yeah, that's true. Back in 2012. Yeah, that was, uh, that's uh, uh, yeah. Also unexpected when they went ahead and did that. I mean, we're supposed to be talking about whoever the new head coach of the Redskins is right now, not Jay <laughs> Gruden, defending division champion right now. So it's yeah. uh, you know, 2016 didn't isn't uh, you know taking off from where we thought it was going to be. Looking at it uh, you know a year ago uh, at this time. So you know, I'm really interested to see how this division shakes out because, like I said, aside from the Giants. Everyone else just kind of like, well, once we get everybody back healthy, we're going to be fine. So no need to go out and spend you know a hundred million dollars on free agents or anything like that. Everybody else is just like, well, let's stand pat because we're we're confident with what we have. We're going to go great and from here. And then you know, like the AFC South, like I said, they pretty much tore their teams down and then built them back up again uh, in that's the offseason. So
1: that's certainly what Dallas's mindset is. You know, if we just yeah. get Tony Gromo back, we don't we don't need a a great defense. We're we're gonna win this division hands
0: down. So yeah, I mean and that's that's what it uh, definitely looks like. So I believe it's week number week number ten, week number eleven. I think you're the you're the first team after the bye for the Bears or the second, one of the two. I think you're actually the Bears had the bye week nine, right in the middle of the season, and I think we have Tennessee before we play you guys. So uh, you know, so we'd love to have you back on the show that week. I mean, especially at that point, in the season, we should pretty much have a pretty decent grasp on how the year is going to shake out for both of our teams Absolutely. past the midway point uh, in the season to see, uh, you know, is Ben McAdoo year one working out? Is Victor Cruz on the field at all? I mean, is there somebody, you know, is Eli Apple, you know, playing well and, you know, is uh, Vernon earning his money and, you know, with everything else? So uh, it would be a lot to catch up on when, uh, you know, at that point in the season, we'd love to have you back for it.
1: Absolutely. Okay,
0: so um, so it's gmanhq.com, uh on the uh, the fan site as the fan site is with sports illustrated, is it not?
1: Affiliated with sports illustrated, yes sir.
0: Okay, great. That's what I thought. So that's uh, you know, so gmanhq.com to check out Chris and his uh his contributions uh, there. And where can we find you on Twitter, Chris?
1: At Schwaz, S-C-H-W four Z.
0: Alright, so there you have it. Um so that's uh, thanks, uh, Chris, for being on the show. We'll have you back uh, week 10 or 11, whichever it is. I, I'm pretty sure it's 11, uh, to talk about the, uh, the Bears and the Giants that week. And uh, thanks so much for being on the show to preview the 2016 New York Giants.
1: Thank you, Larry. It's a blast.
0: Just want to thank Chris again for being on the show and uh, look forward to having him back on week number 11 when the Bears and Giants get ready to take the field uh, at MetLife uh, in the Meadowlands. Uh, The Bears are traveling to the Giants uh, this time around. And uh, I think my favorite part of our conversation was hearing the the regret in his voice when I brought up the... uh, the Indomitian Sue Daryl Revis. Uh, you know, if the Giants had decided to spend uh, that free agent money the year before, instead of Olivier Vernon and Janoris Jenkins, you could have had Indomican Sue and Daryl Revis. Now, again, not saying that it would have worked out that way, but for the same money that you spent on these two guys, you could have had arguably the top two guys at their position, you know, instead of the top two guys available in free agency, you could have had not only would they have been the top guys available but they would have been the top guys at their positions uh in the in football you know and uh you know hearing the like oh man yeah so that's what we could have done that's uh that would have been way better so who knows but uh interesting to uh to hear his his thoughts on that and then of course you know like i said i had to bring up the color rush thing and i just i just i like uh, you know i the thing is as much as the NFL loves to push that, um, and all the people that we've talked to, and even on, even, even the people I've talked to on the show, uh, people i talked to, you know, just in regular, you know, daily life as fans. And so I really haven't met anyone, and I mean anyone who likes this color rush thing. I haven't met anyone who's like, you know what? I think the color rush uniforms are cool. I haven't met one person who said that. Not one. Um, you know, and, and as you've heard, in just about every show that I brought it up in, uh, everyone talks about the condiment bowl, the ketchup and mustard game. Everybody talks about the the colorblind uh, bowl uh, as well. So, I mean, it's it's more famous for its mistakes, you know, its failures, if you will, than its uh, successes. Like, nobody's going out to buy, you know, a color rush jersey for, for whoever just played uh, on, on Thursday night. So, I mean, it's... Uh, you know i just wonder why why the why the nfl's got such a boner for it and you know keep shoving it down our throats no matter what even though just about every fan base is, is pretty much outraged with what the nfl is making their teams wear on national tv i mean that's the other thing you know here it is it's it's the you know cleveland's one and only chance to be on tv and they're wearing you know turd brown from head to toe for some reason or uh you know whatever the case may be or you know here it is the Redskins aren't going to have many chances to play on national tv and the one time that the whole country gets to see them on Thursday night football they're in a color rush game wearing yellow from head to toe uh, you know when their primary color is is maroon uh and things like that so or you know in, in Chris's case The G-Men, the the boys in blue, their primary color is blue, but instead they're going to be wearing red jerseys with red pants in that game. That's going to look terrible. So it's just, uh, yeah, and and like I said, I've – i i've been an artist pretty much my whole life you know drawing and then getting into graphic design uh you know in the last 10 years or so so that kind of stuff really does bother me i've always had an interest in that and you know with logos and uniforms and you know colors and how well they go together and and things like that um those rush uniforms are an or, are an eyesore and i really wish the nfl would would, would stop with it already because it's it's only, what, year two or year three of this uh, experiment, and I would definitely call it a failure uh, if it were up to me. So, you know, I don't think I'll ever stop bringing it up, so uh, you probably shouldn't ask because, I, you know, I just got to see how some people feel. And, and, and like I said, I'm, I'm taking this poll, and I've yet to find someone who's like, you know what? Those color rush uniforms are awesome. I have not met one person who said that to me, not one. So anyway, that is going to do it for our preview of the 2016 New York Giants. We will be back uh, shortly with Brandon Gowton from uh, Bleeding Green and uh, on SB Nation to preview the Eagles, and then we'll wrap it up towards the end of next week with Mike Carrar from Hogshaven to talk about the Washington uh, Redskins, and that will close the book on the NFC East and get us ever so closer, ever so much closer to training camp and the preseason and most importantly the regular season for 2016 for our beloved Chicago Bears so until then my name is Larry D and this has been the Chicago Bears Review